Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Wednesday evening Worship Where You Are Lenten service for this Wednesday, April the 1st. I first off want to start off and say that while I haven't seen many of you in the last few weeks, as hopefully uh, we are all respecting each other's safety and space, I want you to know that I am thinking about you and praying for you, as are the rest of our staff here at Triumphant Love. I know that over the last few weeks we've continued to watch the news cycle, be glued to our phones and our TVs, call our loved ones, and worry. But I want you to also know that God is close to you when things are the worst. That when we wander in the desert in Lent, that God is standing right next to us as we walk. And that sometimes in even the smallest moments of when we can gather together exactly as we are and wherever we are and however we can do that is precisely the moments that we realize God has been with us the whole time. Tonight you'll hear our Lenten evening service with Holden, uh, a homily and a practice continuing to follow the Altar in the World series. I hope that you enjoy this time together as we are all with one another uh, wherever we are. And so let us begin.
Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world. The light no darkness can overcome. Stay with us now, for it is evening. And the day is almost over. and shine within your people here. Joyous light of heavenly glory, loving glow of God's own face, you who sing creation's story, shine on every land and race.
The reading comes from John, the 11th chapter, starting at the 17th verse. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up and quickly go out. And they followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was laying against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they might believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Tonight I pray for you, children of God. I pray that in this time of separation from each other, you will feel a closeness to God. I pray that when the demand for you to have it all together has never been higher, you will know that you have space to fall apart at Jesus' feet. I pray that you have a community that is virtually gathering around you to weep and laugh by your side. 
And I pray that you know that there is no dark grave too smelly and full of death for Jesus to come and find you in and set you free. Well, my, the world has changed. I'm reading this sermon from my dining table after day 18 of quarantine from my vacation to Europe just before spring break. As an only child who had two working parents and currently no children, I am no stranger to quiet and solitude. And in fact, I might even have said in the past that I prefer it. But now it's hard for me to imagine maybe ever having that perspective again. This week's theme is the practice of being a person, a human being, made flesh. Barbara Brown Taylor calls it the practice of wearing skin. COVID-19 has reminded us all of our skin. From our constant washing of our hands to our fear of touching surfaces, to our longing to be close to the ones who we love. I picked this text today, even though it has a reading last Sunday, or it was a reading last Sunday, because there's a lot of humanity on display in this text. There are doubts and worries, beliefs, grief, crying, smells, accusations, and love. All the things that I think we've probably experienced here in our quarantines. You see, we have this belief that God, the creator of the cosmos and the balancer of all atoms, is beyond our comprehension. We can only really understand what we have experienced in our body. And I think English uh, does us a disservice, but in most languages there's a difference in the words for knowing a fact and knowing the essence of a thing, or to understand. We cannot experience the world as God does. That's why we sing things about how we want God to tune our hearts, or that God has a peace that surpasses all understanding, or how we can trust that God is already in a future where all of this has passed, waiting and present at the same time for us. And God knew that we couldn't understand God, So like giving us the answer for X in the equation, God came down to earth and became flesh so that we would have this knowable quality to our lives. Some of God was no longer a mystery because God became flesh and we can understand humans. Although I think that sometimes we don't like to let ourselves be human. And so God remains a mystery because we remain a mystery to ourselves. We hate our bodies and our faces. We sculpt our personalities and our hearts to be more stoic, more quiet, less connected, less likely to be hurt, and less likely to be open. In my sixth grade confirmation class, I have two questions for the second semester. What is Jesus doing? And what does that teach us about God? Jesus has learned that one of his close friends has died. Mary and Martha minister to their local community, and Jesus visits them several times in scripture. Jesus is coming to the house, as are many other people, presumably to pay respects and grief, and grieve, as ones do. And Martha does what any of us would do. She totally and completely yells at Jesus. 
If you would have been here, this never would have happened. And then she walks it back a little bit. Martha is logical and a hard worker. She knows that some facts about faith and she devotes her life to those facts. And so she asks, but you can do something about this even now, Jesus. Please do something. Then Mary comes to Jesus to say the exact same words, but with tears in her eyes and falling to her knees. It's not so much a question this time. It's more of a statement of grief. Lord, if you were here, this never would have happened. And her grief stirs something in Jesus. And he cries alongside her. He's lost his friend too. He sees the people he loves suffering and he is moved. Grief is an odd feeling. It's huge, it's small, it's all of a sudden, and it lasts forever. Grief is the price that we pay for true love, for being all in, for want and desire, for real and actual hope. If love is the fullness of who God is, then grief is the experience we all share when we lament, if only you had been here, this never would have happened. We all have so much to grieve right now. Our whole lives have become games of uncertainty and anxiety mixed with rest and joy and six feet apart togetherness. All of the rhythms that once felt normal have been upended. Not to mention all the pre-grief of what may come to pass soon and in the next few months. The emotional work we are doing right now is absolutely massive. Yet, to look at the text and to ask what Jesus is doing is to see that Jesus is weeping. Jesus is having conversations with his friends. Jesus is moved and disturbed. And Jesus does something with this grief that only true love can create. And it has always struck me as maybe the most human thing that Jesus ever does. Jesus raises a smelling and decomposing Lazarus from the dead, always knowing that someday Lazarus would have to die all over again. In my life, I can't tell you how many times I have felt moved by someone I love's pain and said, I am so sorry. If I could make this different, I would. Knowing, like a metal taste in my mouth, that I cannot do that. But here, Jesus can do something, and so he does. Which is odd to me because he does not save himself from death in just a few chapters with the same kinds of pleas. And from the very beginning of this story, Jesus comforts Mary by saying that he is the resurrection and no one truly dies in him. Yet grief is like that. It moves us. It's human. It means that we have shown up in the world and it pushes us to show up in sometimes odd ways. So then what does this tell us about God? Barbara Brown Taylor says that deep suffering makes theologians out of all of us. The questions in Sunday school rarely compare to the questions in a hospital room. 
I don't know what questions you have right now, what you maybe are laying awake in night, at night and thinking about, or the questions that you have as you attempt to homeschool your children, or as you attempt to fill your HEB carts on mine once again. But I do know that we do not have a distant God. Even when we find ourselves on our knees saying, where were you? We have a God that shows up with a full heart, unafraid of grief, and loves us back to life even when we smell like death. Even when God knows inevitably that we will be in the grave again. We have a God who reminds us that resurrection is to be just as expected as death, and that no lament or question is too much or inappropriate. We have a God who does not expect us to be anything other than we are, human, who invites us into real love, the kind that is susceptible to grief, and says, those who believe in me, even if they die, will live, and comes to us in our graves, bound up in cloth, and worry and smells. And he says to us, you know you are free? The practice of being a person is holy because it is something that the creator of the world stepped into. But being a person means that you are vulnerable to grief and disease and worry. Being a person means that you, like the creator, have the capacity to love things in a way that is life-giving. Being a person means that you, like Jesus, might need to weep. Being a person means that you, like the community, might need to rally around those who are grieving when you are not. Being a person means that you, like Mary and Martha, might need to run to find God and say, where the heck have you been? Being a person means that you, like Lazarus, might be experiencing death right now. A stinking four-day-old tomb is closed death and even when as you experience your resurrections there is a knowledge that death will come again being a person children of God means that you are so loved by your resurrector Jesus that he will come to you in your very human place of being So the practice that we have for this week is one that's going to take a few uh, supplies. You're going to need uh, some strips of paper and a jar. What we're going to do is like a bound up Lazarus, we're going to ask ourselves what is binding up our hands and our feet and our faces? What is preventing us from feeling like a person? like a human, like ourselves. So you can take time right now and again throughout the week and write on strips of paper what is holding you back, what is binding you up, what is making you feel stuck in your, in your grave. And then on Sunday, I'd like you to take your jar full of papers and reread John 11, 38 through 44, and then light that paper on fire responsibly 
and let it go. This is number 530, Hear, O Lord, Your Servants Gather, and this is for the activity song on the podcast.
merciful God, source of the ground of all goodness and life, give to your people the peace that passes all understanding and the will to live your gospel and mercy and justice through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God, remember us in your love and teach us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless our God. Praise and thanks to you. May God, Creator, bless and keep us. May Christ be ever light for our lives. May the Spirit of love be our guide and path for all of our days. Amen. Now may the peace of Christ go with you wherever the Spirit may send you. May God guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May God bring you home rejoicing at the wonders that God has shown you. And may God bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors.
Go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God, and we will.